Well, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at that passage in uh, 2 Corinthians. And as we begin, I, I just want to ask, really, what is your, your outlook on life? What, what is your natural disposition? Now, I don't want to assume, but I could look round and I could judge by your faces, maybe whether you're a, a glasses-half-full person or a glasses-half-empty person. Or maybe you just didn't want the glass altogether. And that's just a, an inconvenience to you that it's even there. But I wonder, what is your outlook on life? Because I think no matter how upbeat or joyful we can be, there is something that the Bible makes very clear to us. And that is that we all need a reminder every now and then. I am terrible with remembering anything. And so I need lots of reminders. And uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons God has blessed me with a wife, because she reminds me an awful lot of what I've forgotten and where I need to be. I need constant reminders. And if we're honest, we as people, we all need constant reminders of things. And in many ways, this passage in uh, the beginning of 2 Corinthians, I don't think it's going to be new to anyone here. I don't think it's going to shock anybody what's said because it's a reminder we all need a reminder that in the darkest of times our God is still with us and throughout scripture you get these reminders that no matter what you go through no matter what struggles or tribulations or trials are raging on in your life God is a God who loves us God is a God who cares for us. And God is a God of comfort. And so my hope today is to remind you of the positives in every circumstance, in every situation. No matter if you're, you're drawn to focusing on the negatives, let me encourage you. Let me remind you of the glorious truth in Jesus Christ. It's not all negative. For those of you who subject yourselves to Eurovision, you will be probably blown away that Britain got more than zero points. So, spoiler alert if you didn't watch it, but Britain came second. So, now, that's a shock, isn't it? It's a reminder that sometimes when we think things are going to be negative and hard and difficult, sometimes we can have a shock. And the reminder here is shocking. I would argue it is more shocking than Britain coming second in Eurovision. This is truly shocking. That in the midst of our pain and stress of life, God cares for us. God provides hope and comfort for his people. That is staggering. That is something to be shocked by. And as our minds naturally exaggerate the bad and minimize the good, let me remind you of how good your God is to you. Let me remind you what your God has said, what our God has promised us. In the storms of life, our God remains firm, strong, and an ever source of help and support. Now, my first point is... A revealed comfort. A revealed comfort. And before we get into the passage, I just want to make a, a general observation about the whole book 
of 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians as well. I'm sure many of us here would know that the, the church in Corinth was problematic. It had its issues. And I know every church has its issues, but Corinth had a fair share of issues. There are lots of issues that need to be addressed. Lots of grave heresies and moral failures that needed to be corrected and put right. And Paul does that. Both in uh, 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, Paul addresses these issues head on. These issues of moral failures, these Issues of questioning the apostles' teachings. These issues around focusing on the physical and not emphasizing the spiritual that God has given. All of these big important issues Paul is going to address and deal with. But it is interesting to me that Paul doesn't start his letter by saying, right, First thing first, these false teachers we need to get rid of. It's interesting to me that the beginning of this letter begins with this exaltation that God is a God who cares, that God is a God who loves. And Paul will later go on and deal with all of those issues. But it's a reminder that no matter who we are, we need to come back and remind ourselves of who our God is and what our God has done. And so my first point is a revealed comfort. And, and this comes really from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. The first thing is that we learn here is that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we find out who God is. It's not a mystery of who God is. God has revealed himself in his perfectly inspired and preserved word. We are not guessing what's God like. I wonder if you've ever had a new boss and you've heard rumours and you know that the boss is starting and you're all there talking, going, What's, what, what are they going to be like? How are they going to respond? Are they going to be gentle in their management style or very firm? And you're all discussing and you're all wondering and speculating because you just don't know. That's not the picture the Bible paints. This is revealed truth. We know who God is. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this reminder and pointing out who Jesus was. Many people would have met Jesus, would have known Jesus, would have sat with him, would have ate with him, would have listened to his teaching and his messaging. There is a relational element between these people and who Jesus Christ is. God is a revealed God. God can be known. You can know who God is this morning. For the first time, for the hundredth time, you can have an assurance and a certainty of who God is. There's no need to guess. But we can know who God is. 
And then God reveals and shows and dispenses all comfort. He is the Father of mercy. And he gives us all comfort. Now, some of us might struggle with this concept of of comfort. Some of us might struggle with this concept of God pouring out comfort towards us. And some people in particular, and it is traditionally but not exclusively men, struggle with this idea of comfort. Struggle with this idea of soft and tender compassion from above. But this is the reality of it. In our difficulties, in our hardship, we have a God who loves us. There's a great hymn, an old hymn that says, Tenderly, softly, Jesus is mine. We know that there is an intimacy, a closeness, a relationship between us and God himself. That is shocking. And we can know for ourselves this tender, soft compassion. And there is a really sad state of affairs in the world today. As depression is spiraling out of control. As people feel lost and dazed. And as people feel like they've got no hope, no escape, no release, no help, no support. This message is so relevant for the the dangers and the, the pain and the hurt of the culture that we live in. There is a God who cares. There is a God who provides comfort. As we struggle in the midst of life, know that there is help, that there is support. It's often said, the first lie that anyone tells when they come into church is the answer to, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. That's often said that that's the first lie you tell in church. Oh, I'm doing okay. But actually your job is stressing you out. Your life is a mess. You, you've had a diagnosis you're not expecting. And you say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Because there's almost a, a fear of, of being honest. A fear of, of being seen as being weak. Or being open about the difficulties and struggles we're in. And Paul cuts right to it by saying that there is a God who comforts people who need comforting. There is a God for people who are struggling. God does not just love you when you're doing well in life. God's love is so much greater than that. You might have some of those friends, that they're called fair weather friends. When things are going well, they're all over you. But when you're struggling and you need someone, well, they haven't got time for that. That's a bit too difficult. God is a God who is always there for his people. His comfort is a a restoring, helping, uplifting. It's a source of strength. When we feel broken and bruised, it is not just tender and soothing, but there's another side of God's comfort. God's comfort, and the concept behind this, that it is rooted in being strengthened, in being grounded, 
in being established. Not only does God dispense and pour out this comfort to you, but there is an idea that in God's comforting, part of what he does is he strengthens you and he equips you. I love the the great hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're struggling with, there is a God, a lovingly heavenly Father who cares about us, who seeks to establish us and strengthen us so that we may stand firm for him. And as the pressures and life swarm in, we can stand up for him. And this support, this comfort, this strength is not from within, but this strength and comfort comes from above. And we get that, don't we, in verses 8 and 9, that we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despised of life itself. That's the reality of how hard life can be. Certainly in in ministry, in Christian ministry, it can be hard, it can be lonely, it can be difficult. And here Paul is being open and honest about how hard he has found this uh, mission trip in Asia. And then verse 9, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In our moments of weakness, God strengthens and comforts us, not so we can say, oh, I'm thick-skinned. I have been through the worst things imaginable, and I came out strong the other side. Look how resilient I am. It is not so that we rely on ourselves, but that we rely on God who raises the dead, on God's power and on God's strength in him, We can get through difficulties. God reveals his comfort to us. And it's quite easy to understand that the world is hard. I I don't think many of us are completely oblivious to that. We all struggle with different things. Some of us, maybe it's loneliness. Others, maybe we struggle with our work situation or bereavement. Whatever we are struggling with, we have a God of all comfort. Verse 4 talks about who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. The word affliction is not a, a soft word. It's not a, oh, the traffic lights wouldn't turn green quick enough so I was a minute late for church. That's not what the word affliction means. The word affliction is heavy pressure. It is hard. It is difficult. Life is not easy. I love how honest and open the Bible is. My message for you is not become a Christian and it'll be easy, it'll be great. My message for you is that life is hard and life is difficult. But in the difficulties, you can know the comfort of God. There was a medieval form of torture that used to exist. And I, and I, I, I'm told that it, it almost symbolizes this idea of 
of the affliction pressing down upon you. And there was a medieval form of execution or torture where somebody would be lied out and they would just put weights on them. Gradually and slowly. And eventually, as the pressure piled up, it would become harder to breathe. And then harder and then harder. I wonder if that's what sometimes life feels like. On all sides, the pressure of life is beating down. It's pressing down upon us and we're just struggling. The affliction in this world is real. I make no mistake about being honest about the affliction that is in existence. The pain and hurt and hardship that you feel, that you might feel, that I might go through. It is real. But there is a God of all comfort. That is our confidence. That is our assurance. When the world is pressing down on us, our God is the God of all comfort. What does this mean, that a God who is of all comfort? Well, I think in some senses it means that no matter what you're going through, it is not too much for God to intervene. It is not too much for God to bear. It is not too much for God to not be able to support. I wonder if you've ever been to a, a doctor or a mechanic or a builder and you've gone to them and you've outlined your problem and they've said, you know what, I can't help. I'm going to have to get a specialist. This is so great, so difficult, so tricky, so niche that I'm not going to be able to actually help. I need to go get someone else who can intervene because I can't fix it. I can't sort it. That's not the case of, with God. He is the God who offers all comfort. In the face of difficulty and affliction, our God pours out, lavishes his love upon us. There is such boldness and confidence that we can know the comfort of God in every situation. And we know this because this Jesus Christ who is spoken about, who is mentioned, this Jesus Christ went through affliction himself. God himself knows what it is like to have the pressure of the world beating down on him. He knows what it is like to stare death in the face. He knows what it is like to be betrayed by some of the people closest to you. He knows what it is like to be let down time and time again by friends. He knows what it is like as he mourned for, for Lazarus, his friend. He knows what bereavement and grief is like. Verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So we share abundantly in comfort too. I wonder if you need this reminder today. That the God that you worship, the God that you proclaim, the God you pray to, is a God who understands what your suffering and pain is like because he's walked that way. Because he's felt pain. Even unto death upon a cross. 
And there is a great hope here. And the great, the comfort of God is not, oh, I'll pray to God for 10 seconds and I will be lifted out of this situation. Often the comfort of God comes to us when we are in the midst of struggling. When we are in the midst of pain and we think, I cannot get through tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and we're still there. Is that not the comfort of God? Strengthening us, upholding us, sheltering us. But there is a great confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. That no matter what this world throws at us, if we know Jesus, we are safe, we are secure, we are rooted and grounded in life. Life forevermore. Verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Whatever the world throws at us, has God not delivered you in the past? Has God not delivered you previously? Will God not deliver you in this situation? And I don't know what that deliverance looks like, but I know what the ultimate deliverance looks like. You and me who are deserving of hell. You and me who are not holy. I mean, you you haven't spent uh, too much time with me, but already you know that. You know I'm not perfect, don't you? I, who am not perfect, have been delivered from where I deserve to go because Jesus loves me. Because Jesus suffered and died in my place, I will be delivered from the evil one. I will be delivered from the penalty of everything that I have done wrong. And when you think about the eternal deliverance of Jesus Christ that is on offer for everyone who will believe, what can the world throw at us? Whatever happens, I am safe. Whatever happens to me, I will be safe in the arms of Jesus. Whatever happens to me, I know where I am heading. I know that heaven awaits. I know that I will see him face to face. And in the affliction, in the pressing down, in the hardship and difficulty, remember, your affliction will never be eternal. But the life in Jesus Christ never ends, never stops. Even if in this life we struggle and suffer There is a life that is yet to come. There is deliverance from sin itself. Our Saviour has saved us from everything we've ever done wrong. Turn to Him. Trust Him in every circumstance. This is the comfort of God that is revealed. We have hope forever. And then my second point, my final point is... It's almost a a relayed comfort. And there is a huge aspect to the comfort of God, and that is that we as Christians are responsible for sharing God's comfort. We as Christians are responsible for sharing God's comfort. Now, God can and God does dispense comfort to people. He lavishes upon them. He feeds and nourishes and builds up their soul. 
but also God uses people. It pleases God by his divine sovereign will to use each other to share the comfort of God through. Verse 4. Who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So that's basically saying that God has comforted us so that we may be infused and empowered and encouraged to be the comfort for other people, to share God's comfort through us to other people. One of the blessings of what a church should be. God speaks directly into hearts, but God also chooses to use people to minister to people. The Almighty God has, for some reason, decreed that sinful human vessels, he wants to be part of shining out this comfort to all people. There's a very famous joke, it's often called a, a preacher's joke, one of those jokes that works really well for a sermon. It's about a man who goes on a nice long walk and he gets trapped in a little bit of mud. And so this man's a Christian, so he knows what to do. He prays, he says, God, please, will you rescue? And he prays and he waits and he waits. And a helicopter flies overhead and says, we'll throw down a rope, just grab it and we'll pull you up. And he says, nope, God's going to save me. So he, he goes on and the mud rises. It gets up to his knees and a second helicopter flies by and the same thing happens. I am trusting in God. God will deliver me. God will save me. And he waits and he waits and eventually the mud is it is sort of around his neck now. And a third helicopter comes and the man says, nope, God is going to save me. Well, when that man gets to heaven, and it wasn't very long until he got to heaven, but when that man got to heaven, he went up to God and said, why didn't you save me? And the first interesting thing there is, number one, he's in heaven. He has been saved. He has been delivered. But he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God turns to him and he says, I sent three helicopters. Did you need any more? And it's that idea that God uses people, that God inspires, that God motivates people so that we support and help one another. And that is God's working. That is God's moving. God can work by just lavishing comfort and love and ministering to, into a soul of someone who is completely isolated. God does that. But God calls us to a church where in people's pain, in people's affliction, in people's suffering, we are to help. We are to shine the light of Jesus Christ into their lives. That's a really serious charge, isn't it? If you have suffered, if you have gone through difficulty and hardship and you've come out the other side, oh, sing of what God has done in your life to someone else. Share the love and the comfort of God with one another. We need to be open to one another. We need to share with each other the glorious truth. God is the God of comfort. 
God is the God who strengthens, who grounds, who establishes. And the reason why the, the affliction is so great and so hard, we need a church. Because sometimes we need someone to come alongside us and say, look, God has not left you. God has not deserted you. In the midst of pain and suffering, our God still loves. Our God still remembers. Our God does not forsake or abandon. We need that, don't we? At different points in our lives, we all need people to come alongside us and give that support. To share the word of God with us. And it's not just a charge for pastors and elders. Though it is especially important for pastors and elders to do that. It is a charge for the church. For anyone who has had struggles. And you who has been delivered through them. You have a message of hope to share. We as people need to be as a family would. I don't know about you, but when something goes wrong in my life, I like to complain to my family. They must be sick of hearing my complaints. But when something goes wrong, I go to my family. When life is hard and difficult, God has placed you in this particular church for a reason. God has gathered and brought these Christians to you to look after you and support you in your weakest needs There are brothers and sisters to encourage you. And similarly, if you're a brother and sister in this church, the responsibility on you is to share the love of Jesus Christ with those who are struggling. Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. God calls his church together Because the church, the people of the church, dispense God's comfort and grace and love. Not so we can say, oh, I tell you what, I am great. So-and-so was really struggling and I helped them. It is God who works through us. God who has comforted us, inspires and motivates us to help and to comfort others. And I know some Christians who reflect on their time at some churches and they would say, I was really struggling and no one helped. And sometimes there's two reasons for that. Number one, there might be fault of the church. That's always something we have to think about. Are you as fellow believers, as you as people who are clinging on to the glorious gospel, are you supporting those in your church family? But the second reason is, I I know of a few people in different churches who have said, nobody ever supported me when I went through this. And I'd say, well, who who did you tell about it? And the reality is they haven't told anyone about it. I wonder as a church we need to be open with each other as we are with families. Not about everything, not about private things. But if you are down, should we not be asking for prayer? Paul is so open and honest that indeed we felt that we'd received the, de- the sentence of death. We were burdened beyond our strength. We despised of life. If you're struggling, Paul struggled. And Paul shares this to say that I've struggled. I've been through difficulties. I've been through hardships. 
And so we need a, a sense of openness with fellow believers. But there is an element here that I want to be very precise about. Because it's, it's one of those things that can be exaggerated in, in all sorts of ways. But in verse 4 it says that he comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. When we are going through hardships and difficulties, it might be, and I say might because I don't presume to know the will of God in every circumstance, but it might be that your present affliction and suffering is so that God will use you to powerfully minister to someone else in their moment of need. I think there's certainly an element of that in verse 4. That as we go through our affliction, he comforts us and strengthens us so that we might do the same to others. We often sing a hymn at funerals. It's often sung, Make me a channel of your peace. And the final verse goes like this. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there is sadness, ever joy. The call of the Christian is to support those in our church. To remind each other of the great truth. Christ is alive. And if you are in Jesus Christ, then you are safe. You are protected. You are loved and cared for. It's a great application, isn't it? If you're struggling... Remember that there is a God of all comfort. No circumstance or situation you are currently going through is too great for God. Remember that. And if you're not currently under affliction, if you're not currently suffering, if you're not currently struggling, maybe it's an opportunity to draw beside someone and to show the same love and compassion. To reflect how God is moving and working in your life. The Bible is so honest and so true. We will go through trials. But if you are a Christian, you do not go through it alone, for you have Christ himself. But Christ also gave us the gift of the church. And we should not be going through any affliction alone, because we have each other. You can look around the room, that includes you in the room, that includes those in Bethel Church who can't be here or watching online. Are we a church reflecting and shining off the love of Jesus Christ by caring for those when they need us most? And then just to close that final reminder, if you are in him, God has delivered you from your greatest need. Be encouraged. That your greatest problem has been dealt with. It is gone. It is finished, cried Christ upon the cross. And if you know Jesus, you know that however hard life may be, our Saviour never abandons his people. On him we can stand 